0: Just when you thought it was safe to go looking for a podcast, you stumbled across us. Fantastic. You're in the right place. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you found the number one podcast in all the land. Okay, just Mississippi, but we're going with that until documentation proves otherwise. Now strap in for the journey. From the lower levels of Ridgewood Recording Studios, we are World of Wally. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? This is your host, William, back for another episode of World of Wally. Season five, guys, can you believe that? Season five. 100 episodes in the book this is episode 101 like i told you guys last friday this season is gonna be a big season a lot of variety coming at you guys that's what i try to do we are uh, gonna be doing giveaways so you guys be paying attention for the giveaways listenership in 40 countries we're in you know all 50 states cannot believe how you guys are supporting us remember guys like share subscribe tell everybody you know about us we want to be heard by everybody on the planet so like i said i can't believe that we're in season five i can't believe we got 100 episodes in the books you know i've tried diligently to provide a wide variety of content that is intriguing and exciting you know and at worst at least useful for you guys I believe today this episode is just such an episode. Heading for the cycle with my guest today, Jeff Fry. Jeff had a long and successful playing career in the major leagues uh, playing baseball. We discuss his humble beginnings, we discuss his college successes. We discuss him his playing days and, and things that he had going on while he was actually in the majors. and then his transition to what he does now, which is a sports agent. So he can stay close to the game of baseball, which he loves. And we even, you know, I'm able to get him kind of off that track. And we talk about something that I was really curious about. We talk about his thoughts on what the current status of baseball, the game of baseball today in this moment. You know, we kind of get his thoughts on what the current state of the game is. And you'll be intrigued to hear what he said. Because with him being a sports agent, you would think that he would really talk the game up, but he is—he's a little critical about it. So you guys want to hang in and hear that for sure. We even chat about a journey that he got on, very coincidentally, uh, some internet stardom that he uh, actually was involved in—the she gone, the hashtag she gone movement. Uh, <laughs> you just have to listen. Uh, if you don't know what hashtag she gone is, you can look it up anywhere on the internet. But if you're hanging after the break, you're going to hear him explain how he kind of got involved in that, and it's really it's not what you think to start with. Just just hang in and listen; you guys will get a kick out of it. Now, before we go to the break, I've got to say this: some of you know this that are you know close friends of mine that listen to the show. Uh, some, some folks that uh, follow me on social media know this some of you don't I am an enormous baseball fan I was super excited to get the opportunity to talk to Jeff Fry I reached out to him randomly and he He you know, reciprocated back to me and said he'd love to come on the show So I was super excited about that Baseball has always been an active part of my life. I played it for as long as my body would allow me to But I've got to do this I've got to congratulate the Mississippi State University baseball team. Because this week, they won the very first team sport national championship for the school. Now as a fan of the school and the sports teams for over 40 years, I am excited and I am proud of this accomplishment. But so I had to, guys, now that that's out of the way, praise the Lord and hail state. So hang in there, guys, after the break, Season 5 premiere, Hitting for the Cycle, with my guest, Jeff Fry. Hey guys, your host William here. Quick question, are you a First and Second Amendment kind of person? Because if you are, our new affiliate partner, Tactical Brotherhood, is your place. If you're looking for ammo, guns, or gear, check out the link in the episode notes and enter code PATRIOT15 at checkout to receive that 15% discount. Also, Tactical Brotherhood, veteran-owned company. Now, back to the episode. All right, everybody, we're back from the break, and as promised today, my guest, Mr. Jeff Fry. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm
1: doing good, buddy. How are
0: you? Jeff comes to us from where in the state of Texas today?
1: Fort Worth, Texas.
0: Fort Worth which is, a, is a, mega, a megatropolis compared to the small place where he came from. We were just discussing that, Panama, Oklahoma. And if any of my listeners know where that's at, you need a gold star.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's Panama's a little uh, spot on the map that if you blink for too long when you drive through, you'll miss it.
0: Is that, a, is that like a flashing yellow light kind of place, or do y'all actually have two or three stoplights?
1: We didn't have a stoplight uh, when I was in high school. Oh, I think okay. they might have one or two now. I understand.
0: You, uh, no. I'm assuming you're not headed back to be the mayor or anything like that anytime soon, huh? No, no, I
1: don't think I'd win that race. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so let's, let's get started, man. I, I know you're on a tight schedule. So you were probably, during your time playing ball, you were probably – at least top five second baseman in the league, and probably top ten utility players may be of your era, correct?
1: As far as being good, you mean?
0: I'm just saying. I mean, among your yeah. peers, did they did they feel like you were a top five and top ten kind of guy? I doubt it. <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> this, this is, I thought I was. Well, see, I you've been out of the league long enough now, you can embellish this story, and nobody will know the difference. So,
1: Oh, yeah, the older I get, the better I was.
0: Well, well first of all, since you are a massive individual, at least what? I can't believe, because I've always heard that they embellish the stats on pro athletes. So when I saw 5'9 and 165 pounds, I thought that can't be right. He's really like six two and like one ninety. No, 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 I
1: actually, knowing- um, I, I was actually uh, probably less than. I probably weighed less than that. I know one season at the end of the season I weighed one hundred and fifty
0: five. Uh, I remember watching nine, you. I
1: well,
0: five nine. I'm. I'm. On, I'm. On, I'll let you get away with five nine. I remember watching you play quite a few games and. I saw the 165 total, and I thought he was soaking wet with rocks in his pockets when they weighed him on that one because you you were not the biggest fellow on the field, but you had the biggest heart, though. You had more desire than the rest of them did because that's how you ended up in the majors.
1: Yeah, I had to to do a lot of things right, and, um, you know, I, I prided myself on being fundamentally sound, and, you know, I just knew that I was not good enough get it it away with making mistakes and so I prided myself on you know trying to do everything right and just make sure they didn't realize that I was in the big leagues and bring somebody else up who was better.
0: Oh, Okay well see I'm assuming you're like every other major leaguer you you were the best player on your little league team you were the best player on your travel ball team the best player in high school the best player on your college team you were the best of the best that's how you ended up there. You also were the. Um, we were talking about this just a second ago, and I had to correct you because you you gave me some information. You are the most famous alum of Southeastern Oklahoma State University. You told me some scrub named Dennis Rodman is. I can't believe that.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm not going to say that. You could say that if you
0: want. Well, yo, but, it's it's uh, it's recorded now, so it doesn't matter. I, it's. Please. Yeah, it's it's fact at this point. It's it's been recorded. So, so uh, you and Rodman. Let's see. I'm trying to think. You and Rodman couldn't have been there at the same time, though.
1: I got there a year after he left.
0: Okay. Well, see, the campus couldn't have held both of y'all. I mean, it's
1: probably
0: not. <laughs> hey, it could not have held both of y'all. All right. So, explain explain to me what it's like being a, a, a an overachiever. Uh, premier athlete, uh, a 6'5", 210-pound guy, trapped in a 5'9", 165-pound body. And that journey, n- what was going through your mind when you got to college and the just the idea of playing at the next level? Like, what was that like?
1: Well, to be honest with you, I didn't have that idea. Um, I actually went to college, which- to play basketball. And uh, I graduated high school at five foot five, 135 pounds, and was actually had a basketball scholarship to a junior college. And that summer I went and played Legion ball and I got 15 hits in a row over a couple days. And so another junior college coach, coach Mark Pollard at Carl Albert, asked me if I would wanted to come to Carl Albert and I could play basketball and baseball. And I said, sure, you know, I love basketball. And so I went and played basketball in the, in the, you know, up to the first scrimmage, got in the first scrimmage for about 45 seconds. And my, I was so nervous. My only shot almost broke the backboard. I threw up a brick up there. And on the way, on the bus ride home, I, I did some soul searching and said, man, I don't know, this basketball is going to work out. And so I just went and told the basketball coach, thanks for opportunity. I'm going to go focus on baseball. And then, so my sophomore year in Juco, I'm really doing well. And my coach called me in his office and he said, hey, I want to talk to you, um, you know, about your future. I said, okay. He goes, I think you're a year away from getting drafted. And I said, by the Army? (laughs) And he goes, no, you idiot. (laughs) I swear to God. I said, (laughs) that's that's one of
0: the best lads ever.
1: My professional (laughs) baseball team. And I was like. Shut up, Coach. You're crazy. I'm never going to be that good. And Because I didn't even realize, I, I live, grew up in a small town in eastern Oklahoma. I didn't realize there was a double-A team for the Rangers in Tulsa and a triple-A team in Oklahoma City. And I didn't you, even know they were there.
0: And you lived. So
1: idea that I would have a chance to play professional baseball never even crossed my mind at that point in my life.
0: And then, first of all, how in the world could you have not known about the Tulsa Drillers? Everybody knows about the Tulsa Drillers. Now,
1: I think I went to Tulsa maybe one time while I was uh, in mm. high
0: school. Well, I'm glad to hear that your basketball experience was a horrendous failure. Because if you would have told me that, man, I had to choose between the NBA and the MLB, I would have been like, man, what a decision that would have had to been to make. You'd have been yeah, like... I-
1: I honestly, believe if I was six foot two, I would have played in the NBA. Okay, because I could shoot. I could shoot the light. I averaged twenty three and a half points my senior year before the three point line, at five foot five.
0: So sounds like to me, maybe there's still a shot. How's the knee? Is the knee okay?
1: Knees are good. I'm actually playing in a basketball league right now with my son. Um, first game, I pulled a groin muscle, and I set out the last second game, but I played last night and uh started and we won and I uh only I, I was lighting them up in warm ups just seven, eight, three pointers in a row and when the game starts I can't I can't make a basket, but I did hit two mm. key free throws late in the game. I tell so, you, <laughs>
0: If it wasn't for them birthdays, man, if you could go with them birthdays to quit coming in I, I know exactly how you feel. I used to I used to play everything. Any type of ball I wanted to play it. And now I've reached an age to where I get out there and I get started, and I'm like, man, this just did not worth it. i got to go sit down. <laughs> so no, it sucked. It sucked. so you, you got me. drafted in the 30th round. Okay, now I'm, I'm a baseball guy, and I'm not 100% sure on the answer, so I'm going to ask you, how many more rounds would there have been in 1988?
1: You know, they didn't really put restrictions on it until later after that I think. I think at that time, um they were still sometimes as long as teams wanted to keep going, they could keep going because Okay. I'm pretty sure Mike Piazza was taken in the 61st round.
0: Yeah, he and it was, was around
1: that same time.
0: Yeah. Mike Piazza. Yeah. He's pretty good. He's, pretty, good. he's pretty He's okay, yeah. I guess. He's a scrub, too. yeah. All right, so um you made 1988 draft 30th round, the dream is realized. Tell me what that night was like. It had to have been a party. Had to have been.
1: Well, in college, every night was a party. Well,
0: I'm talking about <laughs> this is a real party because you had just been drafted into the majors. You were fixing to make ridiculous money.
1: Yeah, right. The minimum, the, uh, I didn't realize this till I got to where I was playing, but uh, I remember the day because... Uh, you know, I had gone to a Rangers trial camp with a teammate's invitation. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even invited and I had the day of my life. And so I go to another trial camp, but I had injured my hand the week before and, uh, I didn't do well at this trial and they asked me what happened to my hand and I told them I heard, how I heard it. So they said, go home, we're going to draft you. It was different in those days. Um, you know, I didn't, we didn't have a phone in our apartment. Nobody had cell phones. We didn't have computers. So it wasn't like it is now where you could actually watch the draft unfold and maybe hear your name called. So we're just sitting in my apartment. I didn't really even know it was going to win exactly the draft. Kind of knew the day, but, you know, not like it is today. And all of a sudden we get a knock on our door and um, answer the door, and it was my, my coach, Mike Matheny from Southeastern. And, I, you know, it was unusual for him to show up. Unless he was spying on us, if he thought we had a party or something going on that night, mm-hmm. he'd show up and uh, it was a big surprise. But uh, he goes, "Fry, you got drafted in the thirtieth round by the Texas Rangers You'll be here tomorrow to sign you." I was like, "All right, coach, thanks." You know, and it was kind of surreal. I mean, never really thought it would happen. The Rangers told me they were going to draft me, but that doesn't always mean you're going to get drafted.
0: That's you know, right. You know, people have so, been lied you know, to before. I bet, yeah. but you're now an agent. I bet you've heard plenty of lines like it. Oh yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we're signing your guy. Here's what we're gonna do, and then they back out. I understand. So
1: you have no idea how many lies I've been told.
0: <laughs> it's okay though, man. It, it, the more you hear, the better you are at picking up on them and you stop them in their tracks. So you get drafted. You get you show up to now. Where with the Rangers, you played in '92, '94, and '95. So I can only assume in 93, that was either an injury year, had it been an injury year, or they had brought you, they, they sent you back down. Yeah,
1: 93, uh, I made my debut in 92, um, was, got called up, I think in July 17, finished the year there. That off season, a bunch of us used to go play basketball at the gym right down the street from the stadium. I mean me and you know Kenny Rogers and Darren Oliver and Rick helling we' would always that was our, that was our cardio workouts back then, and I, uh we were schooling some boys, and this one guy took me out on a drive to the basket, and I came down and my knee popped and uh, ended up missing the entire 93 season with a torn ACL uh,
0: a workout related injury. I believe that's how they list it now. It's yeah. like when people, when guys go skydiving and then they end up jamming their knee up when they land, they call it a non-workout related <laughs> injury. <Right.
1: laughs> All right, so. Uh, we weren't supposed to play basketball. That was in our contracts.
0: You know, you were pretty close. You said July 17th. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I'm going to let you make it on this, even though it was your debut. It was July the 9th, sir. July the 9th. July the 9th.
1: August yeah. 17th when I hit for the cycle. I knew there was a look benefit.
0: at you, man! Look at you! But well, that was a few years later. I mean, it took you a little yeah. while to get there. I mean, you are the hit master. You are the certified hitting guru. Hashtag. So I'm sorry. I left a hashtag. I apologize. Hashtag. Yeah, get it right. So, Pat, get it right. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I, we're gonna talk about that in a minute, too. All right. And now, uh, you remember who you faced? Remember who you faced the first at bat? Let's see how good you Scott, are.
1: Scott Scudder.
0: No. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you are correct. Now here's a hey, this ought to be easy to remember because me and you talked about this before we started. You weren't a PED guy. You weren't jacking balls out left and right. You you hit a few home runs, but not a lot. I bet you can remember exactly who your first home run was hit off of.
1: Arthur Rhodes.
0: Arthur Rhodes at Camden Yards. That's right. And the he scary the, game. the scary thing is, I went back and pulled that up on YouTube, and I actually. Remembered watching that. I actually watched that game live way back then. But you know, now YouTube's got everything. So I, I was able to catch all your amazing highlights. Well, not all of them. They didn't have all of them. They don't show out. You, you you get hurt in 93. So you kind of, you on a roll. 92, you're rolling. Yeah, I mean, you're fixing to be the next big thing in MLB. You get hurt playing basketball. You shouldn't have been doing it. You knew that, but you did it anyway. You get hurt in 93. You come storming back in 94. 94, 95. Now, here's my question. That Texas Ranger team you were on was absolutely loaded. How, how did y'all not make a serious run at a championship during those years? They we had didn't a,
1: have, we didn't have pitching.
0: They had a young, they had a young spark plug, you know, up in the leadoff spot, sometimes in the two spot every now and then. Jeff Fry getting, getting set you know, setting the table. I mean, you had all kind of guys. I mean, first of all. In the American League, you don't have to have a whole lot of pitching. Let's be real. Y'all hit the ball a lot in the American League. I mean, think about it. Batting averages are higher. Everything's higher in the American League. So, why did we make the run? I mean, y'all had, what was it, Juan Gonzalez was on that team. Uh, oh, oh yeah, you had Ivan Rodriguez. Oh, my gosh, I even forgot about that guy. You even had, you even had, uh, yeah, you had Rafael Palmeiro. You know, he was smashing the ball for y'all.
1: What's up with all that? Uh, we couldn't. We couldn't hold de- it. We couldn't stop the other team from scoring.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that could be a problem. <laughs> you did mention yeah. Kenny Rogers. Now, Kenny Rogers was—I mean, I'm not going to say Kenny Rogers was, you know, Whitey Ford, but Kenny Rogers was a pretty good. You know, he was pretty good.
1: He was. He, I mean, our best pitcher was Kevin Brown.
0: Yeah, Kevin Brown. But
1: yeah. Kenny was good. But we—I we, I mean, we kind of fell off after you know once we got to the fourth, fifth starter. It was a lot of younger guys yeah, and uh, children, or older guys, and we yes. just, just couldn't make
0: it happen. Well, I tell you, I'm glad you got fed up with Texas and you said, "Forget this," and you moved on to Boston. Here's another question: What happened in Boston? You should have been making a crazy run in Boston. No, we
1: didn't have pitching.
0: Oh my gosh, this pitching! Why does this pitching thing keep reoccurring? The problem, look, yeah, you has got to realize, man, can't everybody hit like That's you? You don't have to have the greatest pitching in the world. Everybody's not Jeff Fry, career 290 hitter. I mean, there's a lot of 250 and 260 hitters in the league. Yeah.
1: And let's well, think, I was not nearly the best hitter on my team in Boston, I can assure you. I'm just we saying. Boring I'm boring. just
0: saying. Everybody wasn't you, though. I mean, just a little bit of pitching. That's all we asked for. And you're playing in, in uh, Boston in Fenway. I mean, it's hard to keep a ball in Fenway. Let's be honest. Is that where your power numbers really spiked when you got to Boston? Like, how many jacks did you have in Boston?
1: I don't know. The most I ever had in the season was four. But I had, you know, I was a line drive hitter, so yeah. I'm not sure that the green monster really helped me because a lot of my balls I smoked off the green monster might have been home runs in other plays. I know. God, man.
0: You, know? you Yeah, you might have been like a 300 home run guy, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe thirty. Maybe yeah, I <laughs> Yeah. Let's don't let's don't get crazy with three hundred. Let's go thirty. All get right. away
1: here.
0: So your year's in Boston. Everything rock and rolling pretty good. We we didn't get our championship. We were looking for it though. Then you end up going to Colorado. And this is where it gets interesting because you have another injury while you're in Boston. So is that yep. is that where I don't. I don't want to say. Is that where the wheels kind of started coming off? But as you both, as me and you both know, injuries at the professional level, if they don't heal quite right, you just never. You never come back from them the same. So is that yeah, is that where?
1: My second, my second knee injury in Boston was uh, sucked because I just signed a three-year contract and, you know, I was a leadoff hitter, starting second baseman for the Red Sox, and. um my knee in spring training and while i was hurt they went out and signed another guy to a bigger contract
0: mm.
1: he was a second baseman
0: hey, I that and, that, and i know that guy i know moving
1: around the field and playing a bunch of different positions because the manager honestly wanted to play me but he had this four year contract with another guy that the gm insisted he play so i had my managers like hey can you play out left field yep can you play center field? Yep. Can you play first base? Yep. Anywhere I had to play to get in the lineup, I was playing.
0: Five nine, first baseman. I bet that was a challenge.
1: Yeah. One inning. I played one inning at first base.
0: I don't blame him. So yeah, I don't blame him. So, uh, and that guy that he keeps referring to for my listeners is a guy named Jose Offerman, which he turned out to be okay. I mean, he's not Jeff Fry, but he was okay. All right. So, so you're in Boston. They're bouncing you all over the field. You're getting frustrated. It's like, man, I just want to play second and lead off. That's all I want to do. So you end up leaving Boston, and you go to the hitter's paradise in Colorado. Here's where you're going to put up just crazy numbers. You're going going to hit like 20 home runs. You're going to bet like 360. Uh, You know, your your on-base percentage is going to be like, I don't know, like 640. You know, just something. Just insane. So at this point – did you know? Did you honestly know, or were you just kind of ignoring the fact that maybe it's starting to wind down just a little bit? Like, did, did you kind of see after the second knee injury, and you and you you yourself said you didn't come back a hundred percent, or you didn't come back at the level you needed to come back at? I'm not gonna say you didn't go a hundred percent for you, man. Would, you know, that's what I'm saying, you could play at forty or fifty percent and be better than most guys. So. Did you know, like, when you signed with Colorado, did you know, hey, you know, maybe this is uh, this is where I might finish it up right here?
1: No, I mean, you never want to think that. And I actually performed pretty well in Colorado. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's not really that you feel like you can't compete at that level. It's just you start seeing lack of interest in you. Yeah. <laughs> right? The guys, you know, I hit three fifty seven for the Rockies, and they told me, hey, don't forget about us this offseason. You know, you're a free agent. I was like, all right. And they never called. Mm. So I think by that stage of my career, I was becoming a little bit more limited than I was before. Not necessarily because of the knee injuries, because I came back just as fast, or if not faster. Mm-hmm. But I just um, probably slowing a de- slowing down a little bit defensively and just father time, man. Undefeated.
0: And then because Colorado didn't call, you left the country. You went to Canada, of all places, to play ball. The Toronto Blue Jays in 2001. And you were talking about, you know, the motivation factor. Well, heck, you went up there last year of your career, hit for the cycle. It blew my mind. I just, I remembered watching you play. I remembered, you know, I, I, I saw your stats and all that, and I just naturally assume that you, you hit for the cycle multiple times. But no, just the one time. Now, you, yeah. were you the, did I read somewhere, you were the first Toronto Blue Jay to ever hit for the cycle, second guy to ever hit, that's right. Oh, the the guy that hit for it first was actually at the game that you hit it at, which is really yeah. weird, that's strange. So um yeah. what would really have really been funny is if they would have been honoring him on that day and you would have done it. That would have been hilarious, So. So yeah, uh that's yeah great. Then, then the post game you get so man is anybody can do this man anyway so Toronto one year in Toronto of all your experiences Texas Boston Colorado Toronto which one would you rate like at your number one experience like the one, the one franchise you know that you'd rate cuz with Colorado and Toronto I understand you only had one season there a piece but I mean how would you rate them? Boston. Boston.
1: Boston's number one. Then one. Texas. Then um, probably Colorado and then Toronto. Um, not because it was in Canada, just because um, it was a rough year for me. I was basically hurt the whole season. Mm-hmm. My knee was – I was never 100%. and never felt like I – could contribute to the team the way that, you know, I was used to doing in the past.
0: Well, at least you had the opportunity to play around some pretty decent athletes on each of these teams. Like I said, we talked about Texas. They were loaded with talent. Boston was loaded with talent. Now, Colorado, in the 2000 team in Colorado, I'm trying to think, run through my mind, who, like, who was the established star in Colorado until you got there?
1: Well, it was it was like the passing of the torch. It was okay. going from Larry Walker, okay, who was still there, to Todd Helton.
0: Yeah, I knew Larry Walker had to. I knew it had to be close there. And then, of course, Todd Helton had played at Tennessee, uh, just a hitting machine. I, I wish you could work with him more to maybe get his average up a little bit. He he's such a slacker. Yeah,
1: he only hit .372 the year I was there, yeah, he's, won the batting title. he's
0: such a slacker. Well, the problem was is you showed up and you put the pressure on him. He's like,
1: God, man,
0: this right. this, this fry guy. I think hey. points. yeah, they say this fry guy can hit. I better put up my A game this year. And in Toronto, who uh, was that? Not Carlos Delgado. Was Carlos Delgado there in two thousand and one?
1: Yeah, I guess he was yep, the, Delgado, the the star. Uh, Mondesi, Jose Cruz Jr., Alex uh, Gonzalez, and Tony Fernandez. Who passed away.
0: Yeah, but but that team, I know they were had a bunch of young guys, studs. But I guess Delgado, I guess would have been their young star. That he was probably the highest paid guy on the team at that point, huh?
1: Yes, and we had two young pitchers yeah. that were just recently yeah. up in the big leagues, yeah. named Chris Carpenter yeah. and Roy Holiday.
0: Yeah, old Roy Halliday, pretty good, pretty good. Chris Carpenter, not a scrub, not a scrub, not a scrub. But they were
1: young guy just coming up, you know. And so, you know, later on in their careers, man, they turned into the stars.
0: And see, here was your problem. You were kind of at the backside of your career when you finally got some pitching. That's
1: right.
0: Finally got some pitching, (laughs) but it was too late. So, All right, so um, I'm going to say you had a pretty illustrious career. You had nearly 200 runs batted in. You had 16 home runs in your career. Pretty impressive for a guy that's 5'9 and 125, 35, okay, we'll say 55, 155 pounds. And you're a career 290 hitter. I know a lot of guys that are going to be in the Hall of Fame that's not going to bat 290 when their career's over. So I, I'd hang my hat on that 290. That's pretty impressive. So um, Thank you. Well, I hey, I'm, it, it ain't bragging when it's a fact. So uh, that's, how, that's what I tell everybody. So here's my question. What, um, let's compare when you played and today's game. Is there any comparison at all? Do you, you know, cause when you were playing baseball was next level popular. I mean, it was during the summertime, everybody was at a ball game or watching a ball game. Now I, myself, as I get a little older, I'm not quite as old as you, but I'm, I'm close I love the game of baseball. I love every aspect of it. I, I love to coach it and play it, everything. Here's my problem. I don't get as fired up about watching it as I used to. It's just, you know, it's just not, I don't know, it's lost a little bit of its luster, I guess. And it could be because I'm getting older. I don't know. How, but you've had the opportunity to play it, and you're around it every day now. So, Well, not every day, but you're around it quite a bit. What What do you see? Do you see comparison points between the two eras when you played and now uh, do you think the game is going in a upward swing a downward swing or just kind of holding its own how, how do you
1: I think it's on a downward swing I think it's uh, not as much action as back when I played and I think there was a lot more strategy involved in the game where you know you would try to manufacture runs and you would do little things button guys over hitting and running, moving guys over, and now it seems like it's all about the home run and strikeout and the walk, and it's, nobody wants, I don't want to watch a baseball game where 20 guys on my team strike out in one night, and yeah. a out 27 outs. it's like, you know, and I keep hearing that the pitchers are just so much better than when you play, mm. I know they throw harder, but I've Pretty sure they're not better than some of the guys I played against
0: who were in the hall. Uh, of Uh, yeah, I expect say I don't, I don't, I see a few guys now that will be in the hall of fame if, they, if, of course, if they're health, you know, if they stay healthy and they finish their career. Uh, but man, some of the guys that that would have played when you were playing, I, I can't. That's just like Nolan Ryan. Was Nolan Ryan still with Texas when you? When you arrived at Texas, I thought he was, because didn't he – he threw a no-hitter after – No,
1: he, had, he didn't throw any no-hitters no, hit, no hitters when I was there. He'd already maybe, thrown his last one. Yeah, maybe one he had the,
0: thrown his last one, but he was still with Texas, though.
1: My first game in the big leagues, Nolan pitched for the Rangers. I played second base.
0: Yeah. And you that got was to, my
1: indoctrination.
0: And you got game. to stand and watch an amazing performance. I'm pretty sure even at his advanced age, he was still slinging it. So – uh yeah, you oh, yeah, didn't get a didn't get a whole lot of chances to make a lot of plays that day, did you? No,
1: I made an error though.
0: Oh, in, my in your very first game, isn't that amazing yeah. how you remember all the mistakes you make and you can't ever like you did remember the the day you hit the cycle that was pretty impressive that was, uh, which, I, but you also remembered you made an error in your first game. You don't you don't yeah. also remember like. You went two for three that day. You had a triple. I think you walked also. I mean, you were manufacturing runs left and right. You were scoring, driving runs in. You don't remember any of that. You remember you made an error. Yeah,
1: I remember. I went I went two for three. Yeah, Three runs scored, a walk, sack fly. Uh, but I made an error on a double play ball.
0: See, that's what I'm saying, though. You, you you remembered it, but you didn't talk about it. All you talked about was the error. Man, I like yeah. you. You you. You good people right here. Anybody that can find... Their problem and try to to diagnose it and fix it. That's that's we, they don't have guys like that anymore. You don't see guys in the majors like that anymore. You don't see them get up in a post game press conference and go, "Yeah, I tell you, I got I get paid thirty eight million dollars a year, but I stunk it up today." You, you don't hear that, so you yeah. know I know you did. You went zero for <laughs> well, three, dude. Yeah.
1: Some guys will
0: do it, but uh, I don't. I don't. I don't see many of them. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I a few yeah. guys. I mean, there, I think there's a a few of these guys that are that are genuine, but a lot of them seem pretty scripted to me. I mean, they they sound pretty scripted. So okay, let's uh, first of all, I, I'm still kind of awestruck that I get a chance to talk to you because, like I said, I grew up watching you play. So let's let's move on from baseball. Okay, 2001 season over. Knee was killing you. Did you did you make the decision you were done, or did Major League Baseball make the decision you were done, or was it a mutual?
1: In two thousand and two, I played in AAA. Uh, I was home. This is a big reason why I became an agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was home when spring training started, and I called my agent and said, "Hey, what do you got for me?" He goes, "Hey, man, I'm busy." With other guys' arbitration cases, why don't you make some phone calls on your own? I'm like, really? You know, why do I need you as an agent if I got to make phone calls on my own now? Right. So I fired him, and I got a call from one of my old teammates who was now working in player development for the Reds, Tim Neri. and he called me up and says, "Hey, we need a second baseman in Louisville. You want to come?" I was like, "I'll call you tomorrow." next day i called him i said all right what are you guys gonna pay me he's like that was 12 grand a month sound i was like all right i'll be when you want me to come there and <laughs> you know i went to triple a and and i mean the first six weeks of the season i was leading the international league and in hitting getting 370 something and didn't get called up and um you know, after that, it was pretty disappointing. There were talking about a trade to another team and looked like I might get my way back to the big leagues and it fell through and it was disappointing. And I just kind of, you know, kind of started not hitting as well. I think I dropped down to below 300 for the first time in a year. And it was really one game that I decided that's it. Hmm. So we had, you remember Ruben Mateo?
0: Um, yes, I do.
1: Yeah, he was a can't-miss prospect, whatever, the Rangers. Well, now he's with the Reds, and he was on the injured list. So we get the lineup before the game, and I'm hitting like second, playing second base. And, um, you know, then all of a sudden, the, Ruben Mateo is going to get activated for tonight's game. So the general manager of the Reds sent down a new lineup, where Ruben Mateo is now hitting second, and now I was hitting seventh, playing left field. So I'm standing out in the outfield during the game, and I was like, how the hell am I going to get back to the big leagues, hitting seventh, playing left field for the Louisville Bats? You know, So I went home after the game, called my best friend. He said, hey, man, if you're done, you're done. And uh, next day I showed up at the field, walked in the manager's office. Usually on Sundays, it was a Sunday, I would get a day off because I was the oldest guy on the team. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, you got a minute, I want to talk to you. And he said, yeah, what's up? I said, I'm going to the house. He goes, nah, you're all right. You're just not in there today. I said, no, I'm going to the house. Thank you. Well, I'm going to the house today. And I loaded up my stuff. And I, everybody tried to talk me out of it. And I was like, I'm done, man. And mm. I went to the house.
0: Well, sound, well. I think that sounds like a mutual. You you made the decision to go home. But uh looked like ML, the MLB kind of helped you with that decision and that baseball is a fickle there's there's so much business involved in it it's I tell somebody just the other day I was talking to him we've talked about baseball and I said you know it's amazing they pay these ridiculous salaries to these guys to play a kid's game but then when there's they have no more usefulness MLB just discards them they're just done with them so uh, oh yeah I was, man, I, I didn't, I had no idea that's how your story ended. So you, you ended in AAA. You didn't, you didn't just shut it down and go
1: home. No, and actually I, I, uh, I came home for about a week, and then the Astros called me because Jimmy Williams, who was my manager with the Red Sox, was managing the Astros. Mm-hmm. And they were needing a utility guy. And so they said, hey, can you go down to New Orleans for a couple of weeks till the end of the season? two and a half weeks were left in the season mm-hmm. and uh, play some shortstop. And I was like, sure. And I went short and I could barely play shortstop, man. I wasn't very good at it. And so they ended up making a trade right before the September and got another guy, Mark Grudzlanic, who was uh, more of a shortstop type. And that was it. That was the, my last year.
0: That was it. So how the, the whole transition from the locker room to the agent game how is is that you were standing out in left field that night and, you, and you're thinking about your manager you're blowing you off and you're having to you know you're having to handle your own business you, you know what if that guy can do it that that puts I know I can do it I'm gonna show him how and that's that's how it started or
1: no well I uh, as soon as I retired I had a friend um, who's actually no longer a friend mm. Um, um asked me if I was interested in becoming an agent and I was because I, I was wanted to stay in the game, but I didn't want to go become a minor league coach and ride buses again. I'd been gone for too long. So I did it. Uh, but what inspired me to do it was the fact that my agent after nine years in the big leagues um, wanted me to make phone calls because he was busy with another guy. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's, you know, when I was making a couple million bucks a year, you know, you answer my calls pretty regularly. And now all of a sudden I really need your help. You know, I'm trying to get 10 years in the big leagues and now you're too busy for me. So I was like, I, you know, I kind of vowed that if I became an agent, I wouldn't be that way. And uh, so I became an agent in my first, I mean, probably the first month. One of my old teammates, Darren Oliver, calls me up one day and says, um, uh, Fry Daddy, I need you to help me get a job. I was like, you're represented by Scott D. He can't find you a job. You know, I have no experience at all. Right. He goes, I said, I can't help you get a job if you have another agent. I said, you have to fire him first, and then I'll try to help you. He goes, okay, stay on the line. I want you to hear me fire him. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Call am back. <laughs> So he called me back. Five minutes later, he goes, all right, man, I left him a voicemail. See what you can do. Within 48 hours, I contacted the Rockies. The last team, you know, I played with my best friend was working with the Rockies in the front office. And so I contacted him, and he got in touch with the GM. And within 48 hours, I got Darren Oliver invited to spring training with the Colorado Rockies.
0: See? That's what I'm saying, man. you're nine
1: years of- weeks after
0: that. How did you know that you were a natural? You were a natural for this. You just didn't know it, say. So, so you've I'm had the, a
1: the only person
0: I know. <laughs> so you've had a you've had a few uh, I, I, Darren Oliver you mentioned. Uh, I also saw a gentleman uh, that a few folks might know, Ian Kinsler uh, you you also represented uh, Ian Kinsler. Now, I must have got my timeline messed up because Ian Kinsler must have He must have come to Texas as you were headed out. Let's say you would have been as you were leaving. Because what year did Ian Kinsler actually? What was his professional debut? What?
1: I don't know exactly. Uh, I can find it for you. Did you? It was was probably um, around 2008, maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I had 2006 in my mind for some reason. So, okay. Yeah, he had a
1: great career too. Yeah. I mean, he's a great guy.
0: Yeah, they they compared him to a uh, a powerful version of uh, of uh, Jeff Fry. They like, that like he's like <laughs> Jeff Fry with some pop in his bat, you know that kind of stuff. So he's another guy that first
1: year.
0: it's kind his of first funny. Year was Kind of funny. He did kind of like you did. He he kind of plays everywhere. You know, anywhere they put him, he's just awesome at it. So, because I know I don't know what he came up as, but I've seen him play. I watched him play two or three different positions. So, uh, so he's Jeff Fry with some pop in his bat. Yeah, he was a lot better than I was
1: because
0: he's been known to hit a few home runs. I've I've seen a few of his. So, uh, so how is the how is the agent game? Lot lot less stressful than playing uh, professional baseball.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I man, it's a really cutthroat industry. Yeah, I mean, you got I'm nice to be an agent, but uh, you know, you yeah, get a couple you, good guys who have long careers. I mean, it can be pretty fruitful.
0: Yeah, you tell Darren Oliver, look, man, just put me on hold and fire this dude. So,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> that's how you roll, man. All right, so um, so you're you are a. Uh, you're currently doing, you're staying around the game through the agent, the agent business, which is amazing. Cause I think I, I told you earlier before we got started, I think being a professional, uh, an agent for a professional athlete in any sport would be a pretty, pretty cool job. So, um, but you, you can't be content with that. You are a troublemaker. You are a very opinionated individual. Uh, we discussed this before we got started. You broke the internet back a little while back. Uh, why don't you explain briefly how exactly you, sir, Jeff Fry, became an internet sensation and broke the internet? Yeah, I don't
1: know, man. You keep talking about that. I don't I'm think just that's true. telling
0: you, matter. man. You know exactly what we're talking about. You actually discussed it before we started.
1: Yeah, well, I made a funny video one day because. Um, me and a couple scout buddies, we're, you know, we always look at social media and some of these drills that are being taught to kids these days. Mm-hmm. And I've imitated one one day, 12 second video. Of my son, you know, on his phone, videoed me in the backyard. And I put it on Twitter. And my buddy, one of the scouts, goes, Man, you got 4,000 views on this, on your video. I was like, Shut up. Are you serious? And he's like, No, I'm serious. I'm like, What? And that night I had so many messages, direct messages, that, man, these guys were coming after me and calling me names and calling my kids names. And I was like, what is wrong with these people? And uh, they don't know me very well. All I did was inspire me to make another video. And so the next video had like 100,000 views. And some guy, uh, Nick Duarte, who writes for Forbes magazine, I guess mm-hmm. he edited one of my videos and put it on on TikTok. And he said in two days it had one point four million views. Yeah. Um and he wrote an article in Forbes magazine about it. It's been I've been on the MLB network um a couple times and I mean started a podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been crazy. Now yeah. people are messaging me all the time, wanting me to come talk to their schools, their organizations. You know and now I'm the self proclaimed certified hitting guru.
0: That's right. <laughs> hashtag sir, hashtag certified.
1: Hashtag, hashtag. I didn't know what a hashtag was. My second video, one of my friends on Twitter, at not Gaetti, who I thought was the real Gary Gaetti when I was messaging <laughs> with him at first, I said, She gone at the end of a video. He goes, You need to hashtag she gone. I was like, All right, what does that mean? <laughs> so I hashtagged it, and now I'm selling freaking tumblers and hats and shirts and
0: well I was gonna I was gonna ask you about your hashtag dynasty what t- tell us a little bit about the hashtag Gone movement
1: yeah it's crazy I mean it's all by accident yeah you know, I said she gone at the end of one of my videos second video and uh and now it's the Gone yeah. movement she yeah. gone nation and yeah you bro- I went from 600 followers on Twitter to over 11,000. in a year and like I said I've been on the MLB network a couple times and have a She Gone Nation podcast I mean I've already had no more on there Billy Ripken Uh, next week I'm gonna have Jack Clark who was my hero as a kid Reggie Jefferson who was my teammate Mickey Tettleton told me he's gonna do it Randy Galloway who's a big you know reporter legendary reporter in these parts and it's crazy just keep telling know. funny stories about our just career
0: and, make and a couple of funny videos and break the internet and the next thing you know hashtag she gone
1: that's right she gone dude.
0: all right man i I have, I have absolutely had a blast talking to you I, and if you didn't have a, 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 a engagement a, a prior engagement that i'm i'm trying to get done so you can get to uh we'd sit and talk for another two or three hours so let's 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 rehash what we just talked about. Okay, guys, check him out, Jeff Fry, at uh, She Gone. Is is it hashtag She Gone podcast? Is that how it's listed?
1: No, it's just the She Gone it's just Nation podcast.
0: She Gone Nation podcast. Yeah, you can at, find it on uh, Apple
1: Podcasts and uh, um, what's the other one? Um, the music one can't think straight right now. Pandora, Uh, maybe. Spotify, Spotify, yeah. Spotify. uh, Anchor app. I mean, it's getting bigger and bigger.
0: I know. Pretty funny. He's big big time. The man broke the internet. I try to tell y'all. Look, and he thought playing professional baseball was going to be the highlight. He didn't know he was going to break the internet in the future. All right. So, um, also, hashtag, hashtag, certified hitting guru. Let's not forget that because that's how he's really known. Everybody knows him as... Hashtag certified hitting guru. So, um, what's next, man? What What are you when you're in your downtime when you're not, you know, making millions of dollars for all your uh, your clients? What? Oh, yeah, Yeah, the podcast is going to keep you pretty busy. But I mean, what what are you doing in your in the five minutes a day that you don't have anything going on? What What you got going on, man? I'm always
1: thinking about the next silly video. I need
0: to next make. silly video. Uh, I
1: play playing basketball all league. Play a little golf. Now fishing time. So. You know it's fishing season. I'm ready to catch some big bass. uh, I got a bunch of trips coming up. I got it all because of this. I got a trip to Destin, Florida, in in June first to uh, speak uh, at the opening ceremonies of a tournament. Um, And then I have one in Sandusky, Ohio, in July. Another one in July. I'm going to do a charity event and do a little baseball clinic. At Yellowstone National Park, Uh, well, I mean, the clinic's not in the park, but it's right around Yellowstone. We get to play in a charity softball tournament. Um, The coaches of the tournament are Butterbean, Kanye West, and Harrison Ford. I've already said I better be on Harrison Ford's team. And then a huge Star Wars fan and Raiders and uh, Indiana Jones and then uh, also have like a golf tournament up there and man. I don't know man I don't know where it's going
0: I don't know when in the world you get a chance to sleep with all you got going on alright so uh, once again man
1: for being on my phone so much
0: hey once again thank you for taking time to come on my show and I'd love to catch up with you sometime in the future. You know, after the she gone movement explodes, you won't ever you won't take my calls at that point. So, yeah, right. um, like I said, man, hey, I, I hope the knees hold up well. You know, all these celebrity softball tournaments you're playing in, all this golf you're playing. I know it's it's got to be tough on the knees. So, um, anyway, thank you again, and I will. Uh, I'll catch up with you in the future, man. All right, buddy. Remember, but it's
1: great to meet you. i sure you have me on your show.
0: Thank you, man. Remember, guys, hashtag SheGone. Check out his podcast. As with everything with this guy, it's going to be amazing. And as always, guys, Wally out. Hey, guys, quick shout-out to Timothy O. Davis of Ridgewood Recording Studios. His studio offers a full line of music production ranging from song demos and singles to fully produced albums. He focuses on excellence at every level of the recording and production process and will work with you for your project specific needs. So remember guys, Timothy O. Davis. Reach out to him at timothydavis.org front slash Ridgewood Studios. This podcast
1: is part of the SG Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner.